This is the Engaging Mobility Podcast, where we discuss topics related to transportation and aging, and consider the intersection of longevity and the social need for being able to move around in our communities. I'm Terry Cassidy, and I co-host this podcast with Susie Tichinski. We are so glad you've joined us today. Hi, everyone. Susie and I are on the podcast today with Aylin Schultz-Davis. Aylin Schultz-Davis has coordinated the American Occupational Therapy Association's Older Driver Initiative since its inception in 2003. She's a registered and licensed occupational therapist and a certified driving rehabilitation specialist. Her experience in long-term care, adult rehabilitation, minor brain injury program development, and interactive driving simulation and driving rehabilitation led her to AOTA to build rehab's capacity to address driving as an instrumental activity of daily living. She is currently the Practice Engagement and Workforce Capacity Manager at AOTA. Welcome, Aylin. So glad to have you here with us today. Thanks, Terry and Susie. It's really nice to be here. Yeah, it's kind of like a little OT driving celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think so, but I've been I've been working on trying to build this, build awareness and, and build our capacity to be really recognized as influencers in looking at the occupation of mobility and the occupation of driving. And our whole profession of occupational therapy really has a shared role and commitment to helping make making sure people can do and be a part of what they want to do. And transportation is an integral part of having that all happen. I would agree. And and kind of along Susie's lines, though, I will say that a lot of the work that you've done and the articles that you've published um, have influenced both Susie and I in kind of what we are doing now. So I do appreciate all of the contributions that you have made. Uh, Thanks. That's nice of you to say. So we are focusing a bit today on Older Driver Safety Awareness Week, which is going to be the first full week of December, so starting December 6th this year. And we'll get into a little bit more of what is involved with that. But Aylin, I would love for you just to share with us kind of some of the background behind creating this as a kind of a national awareness week. Absolutely. Thanks for the chance to share that. Um, Older Driver Safety Awareness Week has been a media campaign that started, I believe, in 2011. So we are going on, I think, our 11th or 12th year, depending on on the math here, um, of trying to build a collective awareness. It started because, you know, really, older driver awareness as an issue was placed or elevated on the agenda at the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and in other aging communities about 20 years ago when they were projecting that the aging American was going to be an aging driver, that we were going to see a real increase in our percentage of our population that was over 65 and people are gonna be wanting to be driving. As they were projecting this increase in older drivers, let's say an aging community really is the way we talk about it, um, there happened to be a number of high profile crashes back about 20 years ago that also created a lot of attention. And I'd like to bring this up because I think there was a response to try to look at what's dangerous about the older driver. How do we test and decide who shouldn't be driving 
And there was a lot of energy that went into developing the test, that went into developing ways to counsel people out of driving. And unfortunately, in my opinion, that became sort of the bigger message than the idea of the importance that we have transportation and mobility as we age. And it actually kind of made a lot of people afraid. I think afraid to even talk to their doctor, let's say, about concerns of driving because there was such a connection that if we talk about driving, it's about losing my license. So what we what evolved over the first 10 years after those crashes and after a lot of um, public health money really went into looking at older driver issues was a recognition that testing is just one piece of the puzzle. There is a role for testing, but the bigger and the more important role is that we really look at our health and look at doing what we can to stay mobile and engaged on the road for as long as we possibly can. And what we found is there was a lot of reluctance on the part of the healthcare community and the occupational therapy community to even talk about driving because one, they thought about it as a negative conversation. If I talk about driving, it's about taking away the keys and they didn't know what to say. And you know, that couldn't be further from the real truth. And our partner organizations, AOTA, many of the active occupational therapy practitioners in this area have worked diligently to create a number of resources, a number of ways of addressing driving, a number of ways of addressing helping people stay safely on the road. We have partner resources, education booklets, lectures, and yet it was hard to make people know what they were or where to find them. So Older Driver Safety Awareness Week was a concept of really trying to build the um, national conversation that highlighted an array of resources that are out there that were intended to both put talking about older driver issues on the radar of people that are of, of both practitioners and family members and drivers, but embed in that message that there's things we can do about it. There's actually lots of things we can do about it. And preparing for change is something that seniors are experts at doing. Looking ahead and knowing things are going to change with our finances, looking ahead and knowing things are going to change with our housing, these are things that are not surprised. People, as they're aging, know to be looking ahead. What we need to do is look ahead for our transportation as well. And we need to know there are professionals out there that are equipped and ready to help us if we have a glitch in the road, if we had a stroke and we need some help to keep on the road that there are occupational therapy driving rehab specialists that can help us with that. So Older Driver Safety Awareness Week was developed as an opportunity for all of us to get into the media at the same time, because if you create a bunch of noise, more people hear it. And if you see messages about education um, resources and pass it on to each other, it increases our awareness that those things exist. And the more we know that there's a number of resources out there, I think the hopefully less intimidating the topic is, and actually it can empower us to do our part to get started in that conversation. I appreciate that. And I love the focus, just, just like you mentioned, not the focus on taking away licenses, but really the focus on keeping drivers safe and ultimately keeping them active in the things they wanna do, however, it is that they get there in terms of transportation. I feel like a lot of times 
when I'm presenting, I do want to mention that a fair amount of people that I see for a driving evaluation pass the evaluation. Like that shouldn't, that doesn't come top of mind because it seems obvious to me, but I realize a lot of the audience thinks that people are sent to us to end that person's driving career or something along those lines. And it's really not, not the way it turns out and not at all our goals. Occasionally that happens, but that's not why we do what we do. Well, they passed the driving evaluation, but if I can interview you, my interviewer, they benefited from that evaluation, right? So talk about that. I mean, the idea is they went for this to see how they're doing and they've benefited from the evaluation. How, would, how has that happened, Terry? I think that's huge. And it's really interesting because I just spoke to a group of exercise science students and I was talking about driving rehab. And one of the um, students said, so where's the rehabilitation part of that? And <laughs> she said, you do an evaluation and do you see them again? And so I talked about the folks that we do see multiple times, particularly if they need equipment or something like that. But a good number of the people that I see, it is a one-time session. However, it is not just an evaluation. So like you're bringing up, Aileen, there's a lot of reinforcement of good habits, as well as calling attention to bad habits, as well as just overall awareness of the task of driving. There's a lot of training there's a lot of rehabilitation that's a part of that session i and i get accused many times of being a pollyanna because i always want to see the world with rose-colored glasses but if i could be a pollyanna i would love to see us frame going for a consult on our driving seeing an ot driving room specialist such as your programs is a place to get help is a place to feel like my continued driving is going to benefit because I went to see you. And I will step out and say, I will, I think there are people, there is a subgroup that will end up after they go through exploring what their risks are and how it all looks that may choose or may come to an agreement with you that driving should probably not continue or not continue for long, but they actually benefit because they're part of that discussion and they're part of that process and they see the data on which that decision is made. It's not made based on their birthday. It's not made based on them making one mistake. We all make mistakes, but it's based on looking at a constellation of, of issues. So I'm launching into the whole kind of the role of the driver rehab specialist, but for those that might be listening to this that are wondering, how do we crack that complex nut? How do we, you know, when we look at someone who's got a, you know, they've got strengths, they've got, they've got impairments. How do we know? Well, you want somebody who's going to be in your court that's going to really try to help sort out your strengths and your challenges so that you can collectively come to a decision about your driving plan, whether it's investing in equipment and continuing to drive with equipment, or it's investing in looking at other ways for getting around. I just think this partnership is a really important piece and it's a bit of a piece of the awareness initiative of the Older Driver Safety Awareness Week. We're trying to say collectively, there are people out there to support you in your goals for driving. And we need to build awareness that there are places you can go and people you can see. And I think that ties in really well to the fact that Older Driver Safety Awareness Week has 
different themes for different days throughout the week. And I'm, I'm looking at, at the titles of some of those and I think it really speaks to your point. Um, Thursday's topic is interventions that can empower drivers and families. And so obviously this is not just about seeing risk, but about keeping people functioning at their best. Absolutely, and we kind of did that deliberately and AOTA's website follows those days of the week. Some of the other partners that have resources up there may or may not identify it by the days of the week, but for the practitioners out there, we did this deliberately to say to you, there's a, there, there's a range. There's a range from thinking of Monday from prevention and awareness, looking ahead, um, just as we plan our finances, as we start putting money away in our early part of our career, all the way to Friday, which is there's still things to be done about our mobility, even if we're transitioning out of driving, even if the stroke has said to us, the stroke, the, the results of our stroke are not compatible with being behind our own wheel of our car. We have to look at ways we can get around. And the idea of the week was just doing everything we could to say to practitioners and families, there's a range. It's not a one trick pony here. It's not, if you're worried about driving, go get an aval. We talk about that on Wednesday because the aval is important. That's a service. That's one of the pieces, but it's not the whole story. As a matter of fact, it's really an entry point story. The eval only, only gives us a roadmap of what we should work on. The eval is not the endpoint for an occupational therapy program. There are programs, and I, I will say this as we build awareness, there are programs that just do tests. And that is, that is okay. There are tests, but don't confuse tests with therapy. A driving rehab program will take test results, whether they did them, whether maybe a person had test results from somewhere else, maybe they went to the DMV and had a test, but they take those test results and figure out, okay, what are we gonna do about this? Why did that test come out the way it did? What were the changes in vision? What were the changes in cognition? What are the physical changes this person might be experiencing that led up to that result of that test? So tests, give test results, rehabilitation gives a rehabilitation pathway toward a person's goals. And those are really important distinctions. And that's why the services are different. That's why they're labeled differently. That's why the costs associated are different because the services are different. If I can interject, it makes me think of almost every conversation I had this week with my different clients. <laughs> Where, you know, I really, as an OT and a driving specialist, like you said, it goes beyond the conversation of in the car and we start talking about their health and their habits and their community mobility and integration. And are we seeing changes that are signaling something else? And could they use other services? Could they connect with other occupational therapy practitioners? I've recommended speech therapy, physical therapy. I've recommended going to see the eye doctor. I've recommended balance work. You know, there's just a whole host of things. And I think that oftentimes we think about the conversation of driving coming up as part of a recovery or part of a progression of getting better. Um, as practitioners, it's kind of where our heads go. But driving can be the introduction conversation too for people if they're starting to experience mild changes. My guy yesterday had a tumor in his ear it was cancerous, so they removed the tumor. It had not invaded his brain. He was very fortunate, lucky, but he went through radiation. 
the radiation changed his memory a bit, but it was a memory piece. It wasn't an executive function piece. It wasn't the attentional piece or cognitive shifting. And in the car, he did brilliantly, you know, but there were things that we were able to identify. Here's what else you can work on, right? Here's where else you can go with this. And in addition, like you said, the family felt so much better knowing he was going to be okay, like that he had the skills, the fitness for driving on the road. Absolutely. And you supported him in that. And just because we have an impairment doesn't mean we know what to do about it. And we need to go to somebody that helps us figure out what to do about it. Sometimes the outcome is what we want. Sometimes the outcome may, might not be exactly what we want, but we know the outcome is based on real data. And I think that's a therapeutic process that um, Older Driver Safety Awareness Week is trying to encourage all practitioners, all healthcare practitioners, um, to really make sure we're getting people to the right service at the right time. Because the tragedy out there, from, to, from my perspective, is the, the ongoing number of stories I hear from people who say, why didn't anyone tell me? Why didn't anyone tell me? Why have I not been able to be driving for all these years? Or um, I've just, they sent me home with, with dad with this advanced dementia and didn't say anything. And I don't know what to do. And we're having battles every day. I mean, there's the whole gamut is what we want people to know that there is service that can help them in this area of IEDLs. And the Older Driver Safety Awareness Week, the effort is to build awareness that there are a number of tools. And I'll go so far as to say, it's also reminding us no one is responsible to know everything. Please don't think just because you know how to drive a car, you know how to tell your people about everything about how to drive a car. I mean, there are, there's a number of resources. There's a number of ways to look at this, at this challenge. And the idea of Older Driver Safety Awareness Week is also to really put a, almost an image or a messaging around the fact that it's a family of services. There's a number of different number of different players that might be involved when we look at driving, driving risk, driving planning, and we want to make sure that we are getting people to the right services. Kaylin, can I ask you just to take a second and help direct our listeners to where they can find like what the different topics are and um, just some more information about Older Driver Safety Awareness Week? Um, yes, um, AOTA does have a dedicated page on the website. It's www.aota.org slash, uh-oh, I think it's driver-safety. Um, I, I should have looked that up. Also, from Susie's going to double check and make sure I have that right because we go to two different pages. Yeah, also, it, yeah, there's uh, the AOTA. Well, when you go to AOTA, if you search older driver safety awareness, it comes right up. That's okay. That's the easiest. And then certainly searching, using the hashtags on Twitter, going ODSAW, Older Driver Safety Awareness Week 20, or just 21. And if you want to look back, put in 20 or 19, because we've been doing this for a long time and you can find a lot of different resources that have been out there and you can get a sense of all the different organizations and players that have been chiming in and talking about older driver safety. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has been working diligently to get the information out there. And again, why is, why is NHTSA interested? NHTSA certainly does, wants to support the people who are dangerous to drive 
shouldn't be driving. But NHTSA is actually more, more interested in making sure that people do drive safely. They're more, you know, the buckle up campaigns for seatbelts is not saying don't drive so you don't get in crashes. They're saying buckle up so you have a chance of surviving a crash. And hopefully if you are buckled up, you stay in position in your seat and hopefully won't can avoid being in a crash. So NHTSA is very interested in supporting all of us to be safe drivers and trying to help us all take our, our responsibility seriously that if we have experienced changes that make managing the driving task too hard, that we will bow out. Just as we expect a pilot will not continue to pilot a plane if they can no longer do it, we need to expect that each and every one of us will take some responsibility to look at driving as a dangerous activity, something that requires 100% of our attention and something that we manage both from a prevention standpoint, doing everything we can to stay fit and flexible and knowledgeable, the rules of the road, all the way to recognizing that if it's not the best idea anymore, there are other ways to get around. And again, if we look at Older Driver Safety Awareness Week, if we look at Monday as anticipating changes that can affect driving, really, it's, there's a number of web pages that are from partner organizations that talk about planning. Um, Tuesday's family conversations. Sometimes people say they should talk about this. They want to talk to their spouse. They want to talk to their parent. They want to talk with their friend, but they aren't sure what to say. There's actually some really nice resources to help guide us and how to have that conversation. Um, Wednesday talks about, you know, we, we have some links specifically about screening and evaluation. Some screening can be done ourselves. We can do some self-screening. We can take a look at our own skills. Sometimes we need to reach out to others to help us with that. Thursday is really making sure we know there's stuff that can be done. There's really cool equipment out there. It's amazing. It's amazing how we can compensate for some of the problems we might be having by getting just the right equipment at the right time, learning how to use it and getting licensed appropriately so that we are safely using it. And again, driving rear specialists take you through all those steps. It's not just about ordering something off the internet. I have to say that out loud. It's not, it's really, when you're talking about managing a car, you want to have the right equipment for you and learn how to use it. And Friday is about staying engaged in the community, even if you're not the driver. And the statement I like to use is let's not be car dependent. Let's not put all our eggs in a driving basket. You know, any one of us could face a period of time where driving isn't a good idea, whether we had surgery, whether we have, you know, recovering from an illness. We want to have more than one way that we can that we can get around. We might use a we might use a Uber service to go to the opera in the evening, and we might drive our car to the hairdresser during the day. We want to think about a think about mobility and engagement in the community. The role of driving is one of our pieces in in our resource list, it should not be the only one because if it's the only one, that's when we don't have much choice. That is well said, Ellen. I did. I love that in that whole piece of it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It's not either driving or not driving, but that in so many other areas of our life, we have different ways of doing things depending on what's going on and that transportation is best if we look at it that way as well. If I can take just a moment and comment on that, because I was just talking to some people about that, it's really important that we um, that we think about learning 
how to use alternatives as something we may have to learn is unfamiliar. If you haven't ridden a bus for a while, you might feel kind of nervous getting on the bus. You might not even be sure how much money you bring, or do you drop the coins in anymore, or do you need a ticket? How do you do it? So support each other in your community. At really any age, I think all of us should have at least three ways we could get to the store, and we should challenge ourselves to be thinking about that. And we should, if we are wanting mom to use other transportation options sometimes, go with her. Take a ride on the bus together. Learn how this is done. Call an Uber together. Get, you know, take a cab ride together. Talk about what are some of the, the ways that these things are done. Um, because maybe um, sometimes I think the, the anxiety around using other forms of transportation is a bit bigger limiting factor. And so, and, and some of the studies that are heartbreaking talk about the number of people that are over-restricted that really are isolated in their homes because they don't have any access to transportation. We need to prevent that. And part of it starts with our own selves. We need to make sure where we're living that we can have more than one way to get around and cultivate those ways of getting around and being active in our community to be going to your city council meetings and encourage that we have multiple forms of mobility. The mobility options are not for people who are impaired. Mobility options are people for people who wanna be mobile. And we need to really normalize that when you're in Washington DC or in New York City, everybody's on the subway. And we need to be making sure that we collectively see the importance of building transportation options as integral in our communities that protects drivers and non-drivers. A question I often get is, can I use these resources that are posted on AOTA? Can I use these links? Like what can the practitioner share off of the website? Everything, anything that's on the website you can share. And that's one thing we, I don't know where that's all started that we think that we have to recreate it ourselves in order to be able to use it. Um, what, one of the reasons for the Older Driver Safety Awareness Week, and thanks for that question, Susie, is trying to make people aware that they have stuff they can use right off the shelf. They can download. And one, um, one tip I was told by AAA was if it's a PDF, you can download it and use it. I mean, that's why we post them as PDFs to share them. If you take content that you build into your own resource with your own label or your own, give credit. Give credit to where you took it. Use words like adapted from. That's what we do all the time. Include the citation that adds credibility to the resource that you're coming up with. But by all means, personalize it and individualize it to your community. Because from a national level, we can put out sort of kind of the broader what we, what we think would work. You know what will work in your community. And the more you can tailor your resources um, both by downloading from the website and using them as they are and possibly modifying or adding a, a you know, adding, adding a tip sheet of how to use them in your area are all really important. But please, everything that's out there is there and ready for you to use. A good example of that is the clinician's guide to driving and to um, assessing and counseling older drivers. If you um, Google that clinician's guide to assessing and counseling older drivers, it's on the American Geriatric Society um, website. Um, we've got it linked on our page at AOTA. 
that is a collective document that was put together by a number of different experts in the area of driving rehabilitation. And there are tools and resources in there all the way from interviewing and doing self-assessments to doing screening for driving risk to ways to be helping to counsel your counsel yourself, your, excuse me, your clients or your, um, the people that you're working with. So that's an example of a partner resource that you can download and use it um, right off the web. So I suppose the last question I'll just anticipate from Terry is which wanted me to mention about um, AOTA's micro-credential and certificate program. And I encourage you to take a look on the AOTA website if you're wondering about, well, I just don't know what to say. I'm just really not sure where to begin. The AOTA micro-credential is trying to empower you with information so you can start the conversation. And also remind you that it's absolutely appropriate that you not know everything. It's, it's kind of inappropriate to think you should know everything because I don't know about you, but I've been doing this a long time and I sure don't know everything. The important thing is that we start the conversation. We talk to people that there are folks that can do some of this kind of work. We give them an idea that, that at some point they may want to reach out, let's say, for example, to driver rehabilitation. And the micro-credential puts you through a series of courses that are simply to build your awareness and your confidence that you can start the conversation. And you can do it credibly. It's giving you lots of links to some of these resources we're talking about, suggesting how you might use them so that we all play our part. So we reduce the number of people who've been seen by an OT and say, no one told me. That say, I never, I never knew there was a possibility. No one was there to help me. Let's reduce that number. Let's all step up and make sure people that we work with know that there are folks and resources to use when they need them at the right time. So collectively, we can build um, the distribution of services at the right time to help people stay safely on the road as long as possible. That sounds like a great note to wrap up on. <laughs> I think it's, it is encouraging because there are a lot of resources out there. There are also a lot of, a lot of people who are willing to help. So there's, there's plenty of assistance if you're looking for it. I will post the links for the information on the micro-credential as well as the website link for the Older Driver Safety Awareness Week. That will be in the show notes. Can you also um, also post the, the um, practitioner directory? Because we also have a directory on the AOTA website to find OT practitioners that do address driving. And any of you that want to be added to that, make, that resource, make sure you are. You don't have to be a driving rib specialist per se to be on that directory. You might be addressing driving and dementia. You might be, you might be addressing driving more collectively within your program. We need to build awareness of how to find folks that are contributing to the solution. So join in and add your name to the directory. That's great. We'll put those links on there for sure. And I know there's always people who have questions about family members that live in other states. So that's a great place to go to find resources for personal use as well as for our clients too. Thank you, Susie. Thank you, Aylin. This is great to get to connect about this important topic. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Engaging Mobility Podcast. 
You can find links for further reading on the website, healthpromotionpartners.com. I want to thank the Colorado Department of Transportation for their support of this podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Terry Cassidy. I have a doctorate in occupational therapy, and I'm a certified driver rehabilitation specialist. As the owner of Health Promotion Partners, I help clients stay active in their community and make healthy decisions about transportation and aging in place. Susie Tichinski is an occupational therapist and certified driver rehab specialist. She is the owner of Adaptive Mobility, which provides driver rehab services as well as education for practitioners seeking to become driver rehab specialists. Learn more at adaptivemobility.com or through her Facebook group, Driving Rehab for the OT.